with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 76, and today I wanted to change gears a little and talk about something that affects everyone, not just kids and not just child development, but people of all ages and all development. However, it does relate to occupational therapy and child development in a lot of ways, and I will highlight those areas today throughout the show as well. First, you may have noticed that it has been a little while since my last episode came out. I started working on writing this, and then we decided to take a break and go on a road trip. We traveled from Kansas through Oklahoma and the panhandle of Texas all around New Mexico and then headed back. It was an awesome trip, and we saw many very cool and interesting things along the way. Um, I know there's so much more that we didn't get a chance to see, but hopefully we'll travel back there again sometime soon. The topic for today comes from all of the talk in the news recently about eliminating plastic straws from one major fast food restaurant. And before I could finish writing the show, a second large corporation also announced they are starting to eliminate plastic straws from their stores as well. These corporations are saying they are eliminating straws in the name of saving ocean animals. You may have been hearing in the news lately about how plastic products are ending up in the oceans and are harming the ocean animals. I'm really not into talking about the news or politics or anything like that, and I'm not going to start now. But I just wanted to mention those because hearing these stories lately is making me think about plastic again. And I wanted to take a closer look at the latest research on potential health effects on humans of using these products. Of course, I do care about ocean animals and marine life, but that is not the focus of this podcast. So I'm going to stick with how these products affect people. As an occupational therapist, working with families who have infants and small children with special needs, we often recommend certain types of products that might help their little one learn to eat better or drink better, ultimately for the purpose of becoming more independent with these skills. I think this is an important topic for us as therapists to consider, because there are studies out there that talk about potential health effects of using some of these products that I'll be talking about today. Keep in mind that I don't expect anyone out there to be able to completely avoid certain types of products. As I'll talk about later, that would be extremely difficult to do. My goal for today is to get you get you to start thinking about the products that you and your family use <clears throat> and the products that you recommend to the families that you work with. And try to make some changes to avoid the ones we are finding out have some pretty major health effects when we can. As I said, it would be nearly impossible to completely eliminate all of these products from our lives. But if we can be aware of which ones are worse and which ones are more recommended, then we can start to make some gradual changes in our own homes and workplaces. I remember looking into this same topic about 10 years ago. And at the time, I made some changes in my own home 
towards BPA-free products. Now, looking at this same topic again, and I'm starting to make some new changes away from those things. The main issue with plastic products has revolved around BPA, or bisphenol A, and I'm not sure if that's how you exactly say that, but it's BPA. It is a chemical that is used to harden plastics. In 2008, the news broke out about the potential negative health effects of using BPA in plastics. This basically jump-started the BPA-free era. It's when we started seeing many products advertising that they are BPA-free. We still see this all over the stores. It has become the label to look for when we buy sippy cups or other kids' cups, baby bottles, food containers, and also just the various cups that we purchase as adults that make it more convenient for when we are driving in the car and we have our to-go cups with lids and straws or whatever so they don't spill. And they keep our drinks insulated to hot or cold. It is our on-the-go way of life right now where we have the convenience of taking our drinks wherever we go, and it's pretty easy. Don't get me wrong, I'm not putting it down. I do the same thing. I have my large cup of ice water full and ready to go pretty much all the time. What we need to consider is what are the potential health effects when drinking out of these to-go plastic cups? The BPA-free bottles that our infants are drinking out of, getting their nourishment from, the plastic sippy cups, and even the straw cups and 360 cups that our toddlers drink out of all day long. One of the main issues with how BPA works is that it is known to leach out of the plastic products, which is how it gets into our bodies. It leaches out of the containers and cups that we use that contain BPA, especially when heating up plastic containers like in the microwave. BPA is also found in things like cash register receipts, um, metal food can liners, things like canned vegetables or soups, eyeglass lenses, DVDs, and a lot of other types of plastic containers that we just use in our daily lives. I, want, I wanted to get into the research studies and let me tell you that once you start searching for information on this topic, you go down the rabbit hole of clicks and links. It is truly a never-ending dive into finding more and more information from one piece of this to the next. Because of this, I have many links in the show notes today. Some of the links are for research studies and other information that I discuss in today's show. And some of the links are things that I won't even get to talk about today, so check out the show notes after listening and follow me down the rabbit hole of ongoing searches. To start things off, I want to talk about some of the studies related to BPA. Again, this is bisphenol A, which is a molecule that is used to make polycarbonate plastic, according to Kohler et al. Back in 1998... Dr. Patricia Hunt, who was a geneticist at Washington State University, was studying the effects of aging on female re reproduction in mice. 
She wasn't studying BPA at the time, but because of an accident in the lab, she quickly became a leading expert in the effects of BPA. The accident happened when a lab technician cleaned the water bottles and the cages with a different detergent that contained BPA, which caused the control group of mice to start having some dramatic changes. As you probably know, the control group is supposed to be the one that is not subjected to the experimental parts of the research. So when changes started happening with those mice, they knew that something had changed with the environment. They immediately noticed that hyperploidy increased over eight times the amount than before the incident. Now, according to Repropedia.org, hyplopedia is a state in which cells contain one or more extra chromosomes. Humans normally have 46 chromosomes per cell, but if a human has 47 or more chromosomes per cell, then that person is hyperploid. Trisomy 21, or Down syndrome, is one example of hyperploidy because there are three copies of chromosome 21, end quote. The scientists also noticed a 20-fold increase in chromosomal misalignments and a 4-plus-fold increase in death rate among younger mice, as well as increases in reproductive tract tumors. This information led Dr. Hunt to proceed with a new study specifically testing the effects of BPA in mice. So in 2003, she and some other researchers published findings from a study they conducted that was called Bisphenol A Exposure Causes Meiotic Aneuploidy in the Female Mouse. It was published in Current Biology. In this study, they looked at mice that were exposed to low levels of BPA instead of high levels, which the mice were exposed to in the accident. In this study, they placed the experimental group of mice in cages that were made out of polyphthalate carbonate, which is made out of BPA, and they were exposed to detergent that also contained BPA. They used the same detergent that the lab technician accidentally used in the previous experiment. The control group of mice were kept in cages that were not made out of BPA materials, and all of the mice in both groups drank from glass bottles, which do not contain BPA. Now, they measured the oocytes of the mice, which are female female reproductive eggs before they mature into the egg or the ovum. Not surprisingly, the mice that were kept in the cages with BPA also had the highest rate of chromosomal aberrations or where chromosomes in the immature eggs are either missing, extra, or mutated. During the rest of the stages of the experiment, they also determined that the mice who were exposed to BPA displayed these chromosomal aberrations with all levels of BPA exposure, from levels even below what was considered quote-unquote safe and on up to higher levels of exposure. The researchers also noted that at the lowest level of exposure, there were chromosomal aberrations after three, five, and seven days of exposure, with the seventh day being the most statistically significant. 
The issue with this study is that it was done on mice and not on humans, so they aren't able to say without question that these results would be the same in people. However, this study did open up the question for further research on the effects of BPA on genetics and birth defects. One additional study that came out of Duke University in 2013 determined that BPA mimics estrogen, and this can harm brain and reproductive development in fetuses, infants, and children. Fast forward to 2012, when the FDA officially banned BPA from being used in baby bottles and sippy cups in the United States. Although many manufacturers of these products started phasing BPA out of their products on their own around 2008. The solution to making plastic products BPA-free seems to be the process of using BPS, or biphenol S, instead of BPA. I actually remember when all of this started in 2008, and I thought at the time, well, I wonder if the process for making these things BPA-free is actually better for us or not. I didn't know what the process was for making things BPA-free until starting the research for this show, and I don't think it was known until pretty recently by the public in general. We took precautions in our home by switching over to glass and stainless steel products when possible starting in 2008. Those seem to be the better options than plastic due to the unknown effects of the BPA-free products. There are some studies on this BPS, which I will share with you now. So BPS, again, is what they use to make BPA-free products. One study was published in 2013 in the journal Environmental Health Perspectives. The study is called Bisphenol S Disrupts Estradiol-Induced Non-Genomic Signaling in a Rat Pituitary Cell Line Effects on Cell Functions. As you can probably tell from the title, this is a very technical report. So due to that, I am not going to try and decipher all of the details of the study because I would be here for a few more weeks trying to do that, but I'm just going to go over the results and the discussion that was posted in the research paper and that I found online for people that were helpful with that. And I have the link to the whole research paper in the show notes, so you can easily find it and go ahead and read the whole thing for yourself if you want to try and read all of those technical details. So let me give you the summary of their findings. In this study, they determined that at a level of less than one part per trillion, which in regular language means it's a very, very, very low level, that BPS can disrupt a cell's normal functioning. They found a rapid cellular response, especially with pituitary cells that are responsive to the hormone estrogen. These disturbances can lead to things like disruptions in growth and development, behavioral changes, reproductive failure, lactation failure, other metabolic disorders like diabetes, obesity, asthma, birth defects, 
and cancer, according to a report on the study written by Jenna Bilbray. Another study was published in 2015 out of the University of Calgary that was called Low-Dose Exposure to Biphenol A and Replacement Biphenol S Induces Precocious Hypothalamic Neurogenesis in Zebrafish. Another mouthful and, again, very technically worded report that basically means there is evidence that BPA and BPS cause changes in brain development, which lead to hyperactivity in the fish they tested. In the study, they exposed zebrafish embryos to BPA and BPS chemicals at levels found in two rivers in Canada near their area. The levels were reportedly very low doses. When they compared the embryos of the fish who were exposed to the chemicals versus the ones that weren't, they saw that the ones who were exposed developed twice as many neurons too soon in the development process and too few neurons later on in the process. This led to issues with how the neurons make connections. Specifically, it was 170% higher for fish that were exposed to BPA and 240% for those exposed to BPS. As the fish grew, they were observed to swim around their tank much faster and more erratically than the fish who were not exposed to the chemicals. This study is really interesting because it does show evidence of what effect these chemicals can have during prenatal development. It does provide some insight into how chemicals could affect or alter brain development in utero. By the way, according to the report that helped me with this summary from Science Daily, quote, zebrafish are a widely accepted biomechanical model for understanding embryonic brain development. About 80% of the genes found in people have a counterpart in zebrafish and possess very similar developmental processes as humans. End quote. Basically, these fish are accepted as being similar to human embryonic brain development, so we can make some assumptions that this is how BPA and BPS also affect human embryonic brain development. The studies that I mentioned today are not the only ones out there. There are so many. And I am not an expert on this BPA and BPS BPS stuff by any means. But I do find it interesting and actually scary that there is evidence that these chemicals are changing our cell structure and genetics, our chromosomes. This this is very scary because of the possible long-term effects within our own bodies, but also the cell structures and chromosomes of newborns and the next generations of kids to come. Of course, BPS and BPA are not the only chemicals that we are exposed to that are potentially causing this damage and eventually leading to some brain development issues. Like I said at the beginning of today's show, I don't expect anyone to be able to avoid these chemicals or any toxic chemicals completely. I think that would be pretty impossible to do. We just have to do our best, be conscious of it, 
and figure out what some good or at least better alternatives might be so we can try and reduce the amount of the exposure to these chemicals in ourselves and our own families and the children and families that we work with as therapists. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to come up with the perfect solutions for this yet. The best alternatives that I have found seem to be products that are made out of stainless steel or glass. I don't think these are 100% perfect either, but from what I've been able to find, they seem to be pretty good options, if nothing else. I personally have been using stainless steel cups for a long time. I really like them because they keep cold drinks cold pretty much all day long. The thing is that the stainless steel cups that I've had usually come with a plastic straw that is probably BPA-free and actually made with BPS that I'm now finding out. So that is not ideal because the straw obviously sits down in the liquid and the liquid comes right up through that plastic straw. The potential for leaching is there, although I don't heat my water up. The ultimate solution would be to either find a cup, and I'm talking about my to-go cups with a lid that I can take in my car when I go to work or anywhere else. Anyway, to find a cup that has a glass or stainless steel lid or straw that comes with it, or lid and straw. The problem is I've used stainless steel straws in the past, and recently I've been trying the glass straws, and they work just fine, but I do find them to be a little bit dangerous. It might seem crazy, but I guess when you're used to plastic straws, you don't have to think about it as much. The stainless steel and the glass straws are both so non-forgiving that if you aren't paying attention, you could knock your teeth on them when you go to take a drink. Since I started writing the show a couple of weeks ago, before I got sidetracked with my vacation, I ordered and started using a glass tumbler with a glass straw from Amazon. I had to order the two items separately in order to get what I wanted because the glasses that I found came with plastic BPA-free straws, which I didn't want to use anymore. Um, I've been using this particular cup for a couple of weeks, and there are things that I like about it and things that I don't particularly like. And I should mention that I only use these this cup for drinking water throughout the day. The glass is nice because the water tastes clean and there is no odor to it. I've heard some people talk about certain glasses having an odor when they drink from them, but this one does not. And I should also also mention that I use a Berkey water filter, so my tap water goes through an extra filtration system and it tastes even better this way. Um, You can find this cup and the straws and the filter and other things on my website today with links to Amazon in case you want to see what they look like. The straw, like I said, I have to be very conscious when I take sips so I don't hit my teeth. And I'm sometimes afraid that I will end up chipping one if I'm not paying attention. So that is one thing I don't really like about them. And also the glass doesn't keep the water cold for very long. No matter how much ice I put in it, it melts pretty quickly. And I have to refill with ice more than I would like to. This works out okay when I'm at home, but when I'm out working in my car all day, it's just not as good as the stainless steel as staying cold. With all of that being said, 
when it comes to recommending cups for families to use with their kids, I don't think I would suggest using these glass or stainless steel straws. And I don't think handing a child a glass to drink from is usually a great idea either in case they drop it. From what I can see, using a stainless steel cup option may be the best for kids if you're looking for a BPA and BPS-free option. There are quite a lot of stainless steel cups without lids or straws that are good options for kids who can manage those types of cups. For younger ones, there are stainless steel cups with um, silicone straws, although I haven't done the research on silicone yet to say for sure. We need to look into that one more. I would probably consider that to be more more safe than the BPA and BPS straw options, just based on um, the little bit of reading that I've done on it so far. As for babies, if breastfeeding is not an option, there are glass baby bottles. And if you aren't ready for glass baby bottle baby bottles, you can consider ones that are made out of polypropylene, which is a type of plastic, but one that is considered better than the BPA and BPS options as well. One thing that I did find out about plastics is that polyethylene and polypropylene apparently don't require BPA to be used during the processing of these products. So things that have the PE and the PP on the bottom, especially ones that are number 2, 4, and 5, are thought to be safer choices when it comes to eating and drinking and food storage. If you find products with this label on the bottom, these seem to be better choices than other plastic products, specifically what I've been able to search so far. Number one, PET, um, products that have number two, HDPE, number four, LDPE, and number five, PP. I do know there are some really good food storage products also that are made from glass and stainless steel. That could also work. I hope you have learned something today, or at least are beginning to think about some of these concepts and how you can make some changes in your own life and the life of families that you work with. If nothing else, when you're at the store and you see those BPA-free labels on things, you can start to consider what that means and be aware of how that label is being used right now. I wouldn't be surprised if it changes at some point. In the near future, as more and more studies become known about the potential health effects of these plastic products. If anyone listening has more input on this subject, I would love to hear about it, including additional research studies and products that you personally use or recommend to your clients as alternatives. Please send me an email with information if you can, and I will share it with everyone on the next show. My email address is allison at mymidwesttherapy.com. Remember, you can find not only my email address in the show notes, but a ton of links for today. So go, go to the show notes and check it out. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.